Well, the message tonight, I tell you, this came out of my devotion time and work that God is doing in my heart, and I pray that God will do the same for you because I believe it will change your life. Amen. Well, Jesus, I'm going to jump right in. Jesus is a man that we want to follow because he showed us how we are supposed to live. And one of the things that you see about Jesus in the Word of God is that he was a man who was full of joy. The Word tells us in Psalm 45, verse 7, and this is talking about Jesus here. He says, you, talking about Jesus, Jesus, you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. I tell you, Jesus had more joy than any of his friends. Don't you love to be around someone who's full of joy? Just, you're just drawn to him. No wonder people were drawn to him because he was a man who was full of joy. And I tell you, Jesus was fun to be around. Just like he's fun to be around today, isn't he? And he's fun to be around in praise and worship as we worship him. There is nothing like it in this world being around our Lord. But, you know, before I became aware of this verse, you know, I didn't really realize that Jesus was full of joy before. You know, I, I grew up, you know, hearing about all the miracles. I read about the miracles that he did and the great sermons that he preached. But, you know, as I read through the Gospels, I'm always overcome by the fact that he faced such opposition. He was lied about. He was mocked. He was hated. He was rejected by his hometown. He was misunderstood by his very own family. He was misunderstood by all the religious people, the religious leaders of the day. Yet, he was full of joy. Jesus, what did he do? He loved what is right, and he hated what was evil. And because of that, he was full of joy. And I will say to you tonight, if in your life you love what is right, and you hate what is evil, if you live the kind of life that shows you love what is right and you hate what is evil, you can be full of joy just like Jesus was. You see, joy is really important in the life of a believer because Nehemiah 8.10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because that joy that Jesus gives will give you the strength to live this Christian life that we're supposed to live. Now, I know this is a familiar verse, but I want to go back and look at Nehemiah chapter 8, the verse before and after it, because here we have a, a situation where the people of God have gathered together, and all day long, they have heard from, from the more early morning, and all day long, they have been taught, and they have been preached to about the word, the law, the word that they had of God that they had at that time. They were preaching it to them all day about it, and here we are at the end of the day, and in verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, and this is after all this teaching, this is what they said, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why did they weep? They wept because they realized they haven't been living right. They weren't living according to the word of God. So verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portion, portions to those for whom nothing is repaired. That's kind of a weird way to say, go and have a feast. 
Let's eat. Invite people that don't have any food. You, you need to go to get, you need to gather together and rejoice and eat together. It says, for this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 11. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, they're quieting from the morning and they're weeping. They said, be still, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions. And, and I want you to notice this last part's really important. Great, they greatly rejoiced. They rejoiced greatly because they had understood the words that were declared to them. See, when the people realized they weren't living right, it made them weep. But when they began to understand these words of the Lord, it made them to be able to rejoice. The same thing can happen in your life. You know, there are things that happen that make you want to weep. But when you understand the words of the Lord, you're going to be able to rejoice. This morning, just in my regular devotion time, I was reading in Psalm 119, and I came across verse 50. And this is what it says. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. What comforts you in your affliction? What is affliction here? Your trouble, that thing you're going through, whether it's little bitty or what's giant affliction that you're going through, the word will bring you life. So see, when you look at life through the word of God, you can rejoice no matter what's happening. You know, Jesus showed us that we can have joy in the middle of a very terrible situation. Hebrews 12, 2. See, this describes, I believe this was Jesus' greatest trial, the hardest thing he had to face. And this is how he did it. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus had joy facing the cross. How? Because he knew what it was going to accomplish. He could look down and see all that was going to happen because he was willing to lay down his life and suffer as he did. He could have joy. That joy that he had knowing what was going to happen, that joy gave him strength to endure. Let me give you another example. What gives a woman the strength to endure child labor, giving birth? What gives her the strength? the joy. She's got joy in her heart. Even though she's in tremendous pain, she has joy because the child is coming. That child is coming. You know, why, why would people choose to take kids to camp? We have several volunteers who have decided to use some of their vacation time and take kids to camp. They are there right now. Why would they do that? There's a long drive. It is hot at camp. And you're outside a lot, and it's so hot. And you don't get a whole lot of sleep. Why would they choose to do that? Because of the joy set before them. They see those children's lives changed. They endure all day, all day long the stuff that's not really fun to an adult because the service is coming that night, and they see those kids raising their hands. They see kids being saved. They see kids filled with the Spirit. They see their lives changed forever. And some of them will be called into the ministry this week. And so the joy that was set before him, they were able to, to, they're able to do that. So whatever your face, if you know you are doing what God has told you to do, then you can have joy on the inside that will give you strength. You know, Galatians 22 tells us that part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. 
Jesus himself, he was led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to be that way as well. When we choose to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, then we can be full of joy. Joy will be produced in our lives. So I want you to think about this. Think about this. You are responsible for your own joy. You are responsible for your own joy. So if there's not joy and you have a lack of joy, you need to take responsibility and say, it is my fault. The Word of God tells us how we can have joy. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, just in case you didn't get it the first time, and again I say rejoice. You know, I wrote in my Bible next to this particular verse in Philippians 4, 4, I wrote rejoice. And I'd pull a dash. To be glad, to be cheerful, to be calmly happy. Isn't that an awesome way to live? Just to be glad all throughout your day. To be cheerful and to be calmly happy. Because I'm telling you, there's always something that you can rejoice about. And this is how you get the joy of the Lord. This joy comes as just a natural result of rejoicing in what God has done in your life. And by faith, rejoicing what you believe that he is going to do or he is doing in your life. Why should we rejoice always? Because that is a way that you can have joy, an endless, that endless supply of joy in your life. There's an endless supply. It doesn't run out. But you rejoice, you're going to have some joy. And you think, well, I don't know what to rejoice about. Well, let me ask you this. Are you a Christian? Are you God's child? Are you going to heaven? I mean, heaven, you got to think about that. This life is just like a little vapor, and it's gone. But eternity is forever. And so if you're in a really, really low place, and you can't think of anything else, you can just start thinking about heaven and where you're going and where you're headed. That'll bring you joy. Your circumstances might not change right then, but you can have joy in the middle of it, and it'll give you the strength to go through those circumstances. No one can make you rejoice. It's a choice that you make. So will you obey the word of God or will you not? So obeying God will bring you joy. Will you go after righteousness and hate wickedness? Let me put it this way. Will you go after the righteousness of rejoicing? Or are you going to go after the wickedness of griping and complaining? So my challenge to you is take responsibility for your joy and realize you can be joyful no matter what is happening because everything you do in life is a choice. And whether or not you're going to enjoy your life, it does not depend upon what happens to you. I'm going to say that again. Whether or not you enjoy your life will not depend upon what happens to you, but how you choose to respond to it. How you choose to respond. Back in 2018, the first half of the year, I had to go through chemotherapy treatments. The first two and a half months or so, something like that, I remember I would go get my car, and I, would, I remember when it was time to go, I'd get in my car, I'd be sitting in the driveway, and I would, just, I would just be holding back the tears. I just wanted to cry. I didn't want to go because, you know, it takes a long time, and... And it makes me feel sick. You finally start feeling good, and you got to go again. You take another treatment, and you feel yucky again for, for a long time. You just don't like it. But about halfway through it, one morning I was getting ready to go to chemotherapy again, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, you go and be a blessing to others. 
And that just kind of went off on me. Oh, and I finally, I got my eyes off myself. And I got thinking, now, God, here I got an instruction from the Lord that was going to bring me joy if I would obey it. Because, you know, before, you know, I was crying. I wanted to, I didn't cry, but, it, you know, I, could, I choked them back. <laughs> and I went. But now I thought I, I had a choice. So I chose. When I got in my car to leave, I didn't want to cry. All of a sudden, I was, I had joy inside. The tears, the, 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 the agony was gone. Now let me explain to you something. The treatments were still the same. I still got sick. None of the circumstances changed the next two and a half months. None. No changes. In fact, I probably was sick even more. But my attitude changed. I chose to obey the Lord. He gave me instruction what I could do in the situation that I was in if I would just obey that and I could have joy. And I did. I mean, I, it was just totally different. Lord, let me pray with people. And it just was awesome. The joy of the Lord. I tell you, there's nothing like it. But you too. You can't control what your circumstances are going to be from day to day. And you can't control what other people do. You know that people are going to be in a bad mood. They're going to be rude to you. They're going to be selfish. You can't help that. And you get... Angry and mad about the change is nothing. You can control yourself, though, in a way that will give you joy. So don't blame others for your lack of joy. If you're married, don't blame your spouse because you're not joyful today because they did something dumb or something you didn't like. Or you, Why did they do that? You can get all... Or... Well, we'll just move on from there. Don't blame your boss. Don't blame your kids. You know, kids are just going to misbehave. They're going to do stupid. Don't blame the weather. You know, if you just dread and bl the, the hot weather every day, well, okay, I guess you're just going to be in a miserable and a bad mood for the next few weeks. I don't want to be around you, you know. <laughs> Don't blame the weather. Don't blame your schedule. Don't blame all your responsibilities. Choose to have joy. Choosing to have joy is your responsibility and no one else's. Because, see, I believe that the great, one of the greatest hindrances to living a life of joy is not taking control of your emotions. And, actually, I've just now come to the title of my message Take control of your emotions. And this is what the Lord has truly been dealing with me. Take control of your emotions. That if you allow your emotions to take control of your life, you're going to be in a great big mess. Let's go to back to Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I tell you what, if you will do that, then verse 5 will happen. Let's look at verse 5. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. See, moderation, that's being even keel. That means through your life, you're not going to go up and down and up and down. And people don't know if you're going to be up when they call or you're going to be down when they call. They just know you're going to be even keel. Because why? Because you rejoice in the Lord. You're keeping that joy uh, stirred up on the inside of you so you can be even keel. Because why? What does it say here? The Lord is at hand. I mean, he's with you. He'll help you to be able to do that. Some time ago, the Lord challenged me that each day I needed to declare, I do not live by my feelings. I do not live by my feelings. You know, it seems really simple, but you know what? It has been way more difficult 
and way more of a challenge than I thought it would be. But I have had to learn that sometimes you just have to boss your feelings around. You're the one who makes the choice on how you're going to feel and how you're going to think. Think about that. You choose how you're going to feel. Thought about that? You make that choice? Me have never thought about that. But you choose how you're going to feel. Feelings have their place in life. But if you let feelings run your life, it's going to lead to all kinds of bad stuff. Now let's talk about the feeling of anger. We'll just take an example. Anger. That emotion, that feeling of anger. You all, we all experience it. We all do. We experience anger comes because somebody's done something that made you mad. So what do we want to do? We want to see what the Word has to say to help us when we get angry. So I'm going to go back to Psalm 119, verse 50 that I read this morning. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. So this is my comfort in my anger. I've gotten angry now, so the word's going to give me life. So we're going to read a couple of scriptures, not the whole bunch. I'm going to read two that I believe will bring you life when you become angry. And that is James 1, start with verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And wrath is anger. For the wrath or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, verse 20, everyone should, member, should memorize that verse. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not. If you respond out of anger, even though you may be right in what you say, you will not produce the righteousness of God. You have to accept that truth. Proverbs 19, 11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, but his glory is to overlook an offense or to look at transgression. I tell you, there's plenty of things to be angry about, but when you're angry, it makes you miserable, and usually all those around you miserable as well. Anger doesn't solve the problem. It wastes your time. It will, make, it will wear you out physically, mentally, and emotionally. It will prevent you from having the peace and the joy that Jesus died and or Jesus died to provide for you. Being angry hurts you, and it doesn't help or change anything. So when anger arises, and it will at times, it's just going to come. We live in this world. When anger comes, you have to make the choice not to give in to that anger or let it control what you say or what you think or what you do. You have to stop yourself. Don't allow it to escalate, but choose to look at what has happened, what has made you angry through God's eyes. What would Jesus say in this situation? What would he do? Here's some examples. He might say, forgive. He might say, let it go. What did that Psalm, Proverb 19, 11, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. There are a lot of things you just need to overlook, especially little stuff. It does, that, they don't have to be made right. Just let it go. Amen. Jesus might say, be patient. He might say, you just be kind. They have been ugly to you and made you angry. They've treated your child wrong. You be kind. You be gentle. Sometimes we don't like to hear those words because we want to have revenge and we want to let people have it. But that's not following the way of peace. That's not following a way that will lead you into joy. Many things happen all day that will cause you to be angry. You know, here's one thing that can truly really make you angry. Past offense. 
This happened to me this, this week. I got up one morning and I was having my devotion time. And I got to thinking about a wrong, how I had been offended greatly. And I'm just sitting, you know, I'm, I'm reading my Bible and being so spiritual and everything. But I get to thinking about this past offense and I got so mad. So mad. You know what that did? Just ruined my morning. And then I was so mad at myself because I allowed myself to think and go down that stupid path. I tell you what, anger, it just messes you up. You have to choose not to go down that road of offense. Because we've all had things you can think about right now. You can sit right there. Don't, don't turn it up, okay? But you can sit right there and get all mad just sitting there. But you can't change the past wrongs. But what you can do is you can put it in God's hands and leave it there. Just leave it to him. I mean, your flesh wants to go and attack that person because you're so mad at them. You want to let them have it. You want to let them know what they did was wrong. You know, you want to try to, you know, make them pay. But the word of God says that vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. So you've just got to, you let it go. I mean, if you really trust God to take care of it, that load will lift. You have to choose, I'm going to obey the word of God, because I'm going to choose the way that's going to bring me joy. I'm going to obey the word of God. God, I give that to you. And do not allow yourself to go down that road in your mind ever, ever again. Don't let it, won't that happen. Okay, get my next page here. Parents, never discipline your children when you're angry. Kids make you mad. They do stupid things. But if you discipline your child, even though you're saying all the wrong things, even though they need to have that spanking, you do it when you're angry, you're not going to get the result that you want. You will not. You get angry at your kids, and it does happen. Pull yourself away and wait till you're no longer angry because when you discipline your child, you want to discipline them in a way that they learn. Discipline is for learning. We want them to learn. And, yes, you might pull your weight and you're not angry, but then when it, that child probably needs to be spanked. The Word of God says we don't, you don't spare that rod. You, we're supposed to use the rod of correction. Sometimes you just, and you know what? When you're not angry anymore, you really don't want to spank the child. But if it's something that has to be done, you can spank that child. They, you can do it. And they can sense you doing it out of your love for them. And change, the right kind of change will happen. What does it say? The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you want to discipline your child correctly, never do it out of anger. Anger, never, never, never. Those who are married and you become, those of you who become angry with your spouse, it's so important how you respond. If you live with somebody, they're going to do something to make you angry. But the Word of God tells us in Romans two four that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. Kindness. If you want to see them change something they did bad that made you so mad, be kind. Always, always be kind to your spouse if you want real good change to happen. And, you know, in a marriage, you've got to stop focusing on things that annoy you. But instead, choose to lead your feelings in a positive direction if you want to change how you feel. Now, there's, I'm going to get off this in just a minute, but I, I want to caution you. There is a danger and the devil will use this trick on you, that you will begin to be judgmental and critical of everything your spouse does. You'll just start being picking out. Pick, 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 pick. Oh, man, they shouldn't be that way. Grumbling in your mind about them. That is a dangerous road that you do not want to go down. I know there's, some, there's issues in, in marriages that need to be addressed, but we never do it, address issues when we're 
feelings are out of control. They must be addressed in a way that does not hurt the other person. We have to learn to lead our feelings around and not have our feelings lead us. So who is the boss in your life? Is the word of God the boss or are your feelings the word, the boss? You control, you have to control your feelings. And a way to control your feelings is how you choose to think. Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So however you're thinking, if you're thinking badly, bad stuff's going to come out. Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So see, it's so, so, so very important what you think, what you think. And let me tell you what, when you notice that you're thinking wrong, and this happens to me, this happens to me. I'm thinking wrong. I'm thinking, thinking. I'm thinking wrong. It's not too late. Choose to stop thinking that way. And boss your feelings around in the right direction. Make the choice how you want to feel and then choose to speak positively even if you don't feel like it at the moment. Choose instead to speak by faith what would be pleasing to the Lord. Proverbs, here's a great verse to meditate. Proverbs 11, verse 27. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. You've got to train yourself to look for the good in things and stop looking and focusing on all the evil things. Because I tell you what, a lot of times our actions, things that we choose to do, will determine how you're going to feel. Your actions, if you choose to do the right thing, that can change how that you feel. Philippians 4.4. 4. This is what Paul wrote in prison. He says, rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. Now, Paul wrote those words, chained to a prison cell. He was in an awful, horrible place. And I tell you what, I'm sure at first he didn't feel like rejoicing in the Lord. He didn't feel like it. He made the choice, and Paul had joy in prison. So how can you do that in a difficult marriage? Or maybe you have a difficult job or simply you're just having a bad day. Paul tells us how to do that. He tells us how to rejoice. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to, unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. More good verses to have memorized. But basically what he's saying is, I'm going to go into all the details, Pray. You're in a bad situation. You need to pray about it until you get the peace of God. But then you've got to go another step further. It says once you've prayed, you say you've got the victory and you're believing God for change, you have to take the next step and watch how you think about that situation. You're praying about your marriage. And you're, okay, I believe, God, that you want us to have a good marriage and this is going to work out and it's going to be good. And you, okay, God, I praise you and I thank you for it. But, you know, it probably isn't going to change right that second. It may be a process, and through that process of the change happening, you've got to do this. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You've got to choose to think about your situation the right way. You've got to choose to meditate on what is good and what is lovely and what is pure. And these verses will work if you actually do them. And I see as I read these verses, they don't say anything about waiting for the mood to strike. 
You just make the choice to do it. You've got to make a decision that you are going to feel and think differently. I will feel and think differently about my job. I will feel and think differently about the situation I'm dealing with with my kids or with my friend or with my marriage. I will think differently. That's where you will begin to change. Back in 2020 of July, I turned 60. And, you know, I don't know what it is about the, the multiples of 10 when you turn 40. That's a big deal. And then 50, oh, my gosh, 50. And then 60, oh, well, <laughs> getting up there. <laughs> but it seems to kind of be a big deal, you know. And so, I was exp- and so, you know, my 60th birthday's coming. Well, two or three days before my birthday, the doctor calls me. Cancer is back. Fourth time. I'm facing multiple surgeries, lots of treatment, two or three days before my birthday. But did you know what? I thought, you know, I'm going to have a good birthday. I just decided. I'm just not going to let that bother me. I'm going to have a good birthday. And I tell you, I had a great birthday. Now, that was not the only thing. I had some other really bad negative things happen that should have, I should have had the worst birthday of my entire life on that day. But I did not. I, I remember that day with joy. We had just a great time. Um, and I tell you what, if you want to be happy, if you want to be used by God, if you want to change how you feel, you've got to boss your feelings around. And that's what I did that day. I said, you're not going to get down. I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to enjoy my family. How did I do that? I did that with the Word of God. Amen. Because, see, I knew from God's Word that I was going to be okay. I knew. I, I, I'm going to live and not die and declare the Lord and declare the works of the Lord. By his stripes, I am healed. I knew that God loved me. I knew how much he loved me. I knew he was going to walk me through it. I knew I was going to be okay. Now, it wasn't fun to go through. And there were trials. There were days I cried. But, you know, I still, joy. I could have joy because I focused what from the truths from God's word. And I could have joy in the midst of an area, a time when I shouldn't have. If you want to change how you feel. You need to find that scripture that deals with the, what you're facing, and you need to meditate on them. Until you get that truth established down in your heart, firmly down in your heart, you need to get to a place where that scripture just burns in your heart like a fire. It gets to the place where you really, really believe what God has said about your situation. Then when you speak it out of your mouth, there's power. Something happens. Words spoken by faith release great power. You need to choose to esteem the Word of God greater than your feelings. Don't hold your feelings more supreme than the Word of God. Choose to be glad about what God has said instead of constantly allowing yourself to be dissatisfied. Choose to focus on what is lovely, on whatever is loving. That's part of that verse, right? Choose to focus on whatever is lovely instead of what's driving you crazy. You can control yourself. I have to ask you, are you constantly irritated with people? If you are, then you need to go to the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it tells you how you're supposed to love people. That tells you how to love people. And if you look at those verses, it will help you not to be so irritated with people. If you'll obey them. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7, it, it tells us love thinks no evil. I like the way the Amplified puts it in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. It says, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. 
You see, the Lord has recently showed me that I was not obeying this scripture. Because I remember when I was younger, I always believed the best about everybody. I mean, just, just the way I was. But, you know, as I got gotten older, that kind of changed. I don't know where, how it all happened, but slowly I got to where I don't believe, I wasn't believing the best about every person. So, and that wrong thinking caused me some pain in my life. So, I prayed and I asked the Lord to forgive me. And you think, forgive you for what? Because it's sin. When you don't obey the word of God, that's a sin. It's a sin. So I asked him to forgive me and help me to be merciful toward those who are not acting as they should. And I asked the Lord, Lord, help me to believe the best about people. Because see, God is the judge. I'm not. My daily confession, I started a new daily confession. that I say, I choose to believe the best about people. I choose to believe the best about people. And it's brought some joy into my life. Now I'm still talking about taking control of your emotions. To take control of your emotions, you have to control your thoughts. And to, to take control of your thoughts, you must do as the Word of God says. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, this will change your life. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We must learn to take every thought captive and obey what the Word says. Because any thought, I'm gonna, any thought that goes against what the Bible has to say, I, for right now, I'm going to call that a toxic thought. A toxic thought is poison to your soul. One toxic thought can lead to a lot of trouble and pain in your life. Now, you may ask the Lord to help you identify toxic thoughts that come into your mind. And I tell you, here's a great prayer that you could pray every day. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now I want to look at a toxic thought that can cause you a lot of trouble and pain. Here's one. Where you're thinking this. Where you feel devalued and unappreciated at your job. Or maybe you feel devalued and you don't feel appreciated as a volunteer or something you're doing. Or maybe you feel that way at home by someone that you love. Or maybe you feel that, that way because you never seem to be able to do enough to please someone. I'm telling you, this kind of thinking will hurt you and rob you of your joy. But there is a scripture that can give you joy even when... You have been, or maybe you are currently not really being treated right. Maybe you truly are not being appreciated for what you do at your job. Maybe not. But this verse will give you joy despite that. Because you don't need to be thinking that way. So here we are. Are you ready? It's going to bring you joy. It's going to bring you peace. It's going to set you free. Amen. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Amen. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So here's the lesson. If you work for anyone other than the Lord, you set yourself up to be hurt. You set yourself up to be hurt. He is the one that I work for. He is the one I'm doing my best for and working hard to do. You work for him and to please him. Another declaration I like to say every day is, I work for God. I work for God. 
I tell you, if you can learn to obey this verse, it's going to bring you such freedom in your life because a Heavenly Father, He is the best boss you could ever have in your whole entire life. He's just awesome. He says, the best, perfect God. I tell you, the word of God will bring you such freedom and such joy into your life. I guess I have time to do one more emotion. Are you ready for it? Dread. You know, dread will drain you of strength. It's a feeling you need to boss around. Have you ever said, I dread going to work? Here's one I've said. I dread doing the dishes every night. I dread having to exercise. I dread going to the doctor. I said that before. You know, we usually say things like that when we know there's something that you have to do, but you're not enjoying it. When you're not looking forward to the task that is ahead and you'd rather not do it. But dread is a symptom of a negative attitude and it affects your joy in a negative way. You can't feel dread and joy at the same time. You know, we all have to do some things that we don't particularly like to do, but you can choose to be joyful and upbeat, even while you're doing things you don't like. You, when you stay happy and you stay positive, you usually do things faster and better anyway, and you can move on to other things. So what do you dread? Now, for me, I've, I finally, I think I've finally gotten victory over this. I always dreaded doing the dishes at night after. You know, because after you've eaten and I've been relaxing, that's the last thing I want to do is get up and go do those dishes, you know. But it has to be done. So why every day do I have to have this time of dread and no joy? So I've learned, you know, just, yeah, you know, I can do it really fast. I'm, I thank the Lord I got this new dishwasher. And I mean, you can put everything in there. I can do dishes twice as fast as I used to. And, I, and my sweetheart helps me sometimes doing stuff. You know, there's stuff that, you know... I had to turn, you know, I'm still having to do the dishes, but why give in to dread? Choose to be positive. Find something to rejoice about in it instead. One of the th other thing I want to share with you, I dread is conflict. I don't like conflict. But sometimes things have to be addressed. And I don't have to dread conflict if I know God is leading me and guiding me so I can go in faith Believing that God's going to help me through it and give me joy, despite the fact I have to do some things that, when conflict arises. Because, you know, I don't find any place in, in Scripture where it's time, where we can, when it's time to grumble and complain or be negative about, about something you must do. So ask God to help you have a positive attitude about everything that you need to do. So I hope tonight you have been challenged to not allow your emotions to steal your joy that joy that Jesus has provided, boss your feelings around with the Word of God. And I challenge you, as I have challenged myself, to confess daily that I do not live by my emotions. I do not live by my feelings. I live by the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Are you ready to do it? Yeah. Amen.